Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are moving into part three of The Way of Kings. We read Interlude 6, which is called A Work of Art. We read chapters 29 and 30, and we're going to discuss those, wherein we revisit Seth and see what he's gotten up to since the last time. Then we check in on Shalon and Yasna and their uh, scholarship See how that's going. And then we revisit Kaladin as he has finally gotten the bridge crew to to follow him. And we find out uh, how that's going. So I'm Data. And with me this week is Jamie, Jack and Joe. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. So, yeah, I feel like we're uh, I mean, other than the Seth chapter, which is its, its own sort of thing, I feel like we're we're building our way back into part three with these chapters. What did you guys think of these three chapters? I really liked these. I think they all had some nice little nugget in them for us. It's a nice little twist. I really liked in Seth chapter the, the twist that his mark was already assassinated and then it sounds pretty dramatic where he's walking into now. So I'm excited to mm. see where his journey goes. I'm I'm sad that it might have to wait to another interlude to figure out what happens next for him. I'm hoping that his path will cross with some some names that we know soon so that we we kind of get an update on him before the next lot of interludes <laughs> would be would be good. I Yasna and Shalan, uh, I like where their relationship's kind of at. It's only sort of two months in for them, uh, but for her to be stealing the the soul caster, it sounds like it's going to be a really hard task for her now because she really is getting something out of being Yasna's ward. And then, of course, the little bit with her her drawing when she's not really focusing on what she's doing and draws something in the way, that's, that's a nice little um, dangle of the carrot for us to <laughs> go and mm-hmm. figure out what's going on with her. That's pretty cool. And we got Gaza's point of view. I think we only oh, spoke yeah. about it maybe last time or the time before that we hadn't really seen in his head. So it's kind of interesting to see how much he does kind of need Kaladin's money and that's sort of a, a beneficial relationship for uh, for him. So, yeah, but also the work that Kaladin's doing with the crew and like you've got Gaz going, literally they are to die. Like that's they're a distraction they're the bait mm-hmm. and now you've got Kaladin standing there trying to protect the bait it's not going to go particularly well but I'm hoping that Gaz will have a heart at some point and you know not take him out but we'll see it's not looking promising I mean I think he'll be fine but it's not looking promising that he won't try and kill him soon but we'll see how we go but overall we're good chapters nice to see Shalan again yeah yeah, it's it's really 
and Kaladin doesn't realize it, but he's in like this lose lose situation where it's like either he'll fail to protect his people, or if he does protect his people, it probably won't go as well as he thinks it will. So yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. Well, that's it. Like he he already had to win over the crew, but then on the the other side, no one's rooting for him. So he's really alone. Scary, scary spot to be in. Yeah. And I love that you're, I mean, I agree with you. Like what's going on with Seth? This is interesting stuff, but I, I love that you're just like, I hope he crosses paths with like the people that we're following, except that we've now learned that he's sent, been being sent to assassinate some of the most important people in the world. So if he crosses paths with any of the stories that we have going, it's probably not going to be good for characters that we know. Well, maybe there's characters we know that we don't like, that we would be happy enough to be assassinated. That's true. That's Sadius. <laughs> Come on, Sadius. Oh, he, he, I was going to say, he was the top of my list, but <laughs> I, I have a feeling that maybe we're still supposed to trust him and maybe he shouldn't be assassinated, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> That's a good point. There could be important people that we don't like. So, yeah, all right. I'll go with it. And I'm sure at least 50% of that list is is names that we don't, we maybe we've heard of, but we don't know those characters yet. There's yeah. a lot of book to go through still. I mean, how many important people do we know? We know... We know the King of Alethkar. We know some of the High Princes. There's like 10 of these High Princes, so we don't even know all of them. We've never met like the leaders of most other countries. I guess we've we, we met the King of uh, of Carbranth, but other than that, like there's a lot of countries in the world. And so, you know. Well, that's it. And we, and we don't know who's actually behind the list. So we'll have to just see. That's that true. If it could be an important person behind the list, and then they wouldn't put themselves on that list. <laughs> Well, no, but it depending on who's behind the list, the, the target list changes. Yeah. You know, maybe it's maybe it's Sadius's list. That would be a yeah. twist. That would be a twist. Would he, if, if Sadius was putting the list together, would he put Dalinar on that list? We were just discussing last time whether he wants Dalinar mm. again or not. Maybe too obvious. Yeah. Yeah, this was, th- these were good. I'm just happy to see Seth again. Like, I love that guy. He's He's the best. I want to see more of him. Always, all the time. So, yeah, like, I guess the implications there, he's going to, we're going to see more of him possibly, you know, we've seen inside his head, but, we, uh, but we've seen sort of vaguely what other people think of him as well as this, like, mis- like this thing of legend. So I like the idea that he might show up. We won't see inside his head, but we'll he'll show up in someone else's chapters and they'll just be like, oh, my God, it's like, you know, it's like Godzilla coming um, <laughs> into someone's life and you're just seeing like this feigned thing of murder and, you know, chaos just showing up in your life and going, oh, shit. So I, so I really want to see that. I, I like the King of Carbranth. Uh, like his conversation with Shalana and Jasna was probably the most fun I had in their chapter. He seems like a decent enough dude, so he's probably going to die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, in Kaladin's chapter, I'm just every time Moash shows up, I'm just like, you make my skin crawl for some reason. I don't like you. I yeah, something about this guy is really just setting me off. And I, I know he openly says, just like, a, you know, I don't even like you. Why are you making me a captain? And so it's setting it up that like, oh yeah, Kaladin's gonna win win him over and win his trust. I'm like, I don't think so. I think it's gonna look that way, and then Moash is gonna pull the rug out. So we'll see. But I yeah. I, I don't like Moash. I mean, he's been a jerk nonstop since we met him. So, although to be fair, the first time we met him, like Kaladin punches him in the stomach and hauls him outside. So, you know, yeah, 
Also, we found out he's like buddies with Gaz or something because uh, he was like, oh, yeah, Gaz says blah, blah, blah. So we don't like fucking Gary. So I get it. Yeah. Oh, as Jamie pointed out, we get uh, a Gaz perspective here. So uh, maybe mm. that changed some opinions on old Gary. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nah, he still seems like a like a prick. Yeah, still don't like him, but he just has a story now. Yeah. It's tough having one eye, apparently. Who Who would have thought? All right. Well, these chapters, they're chapters, let me tell you. Seth, I, it's kind of depressing at the end, honestly. I like Seth. I think we all kind of like Seth. Which should we like Seth? You know, that's another question, because it's like, he killed the king. So I don't know how we should feel about Seth. But He kills uh, lots of people, apparently. Yeah, he does kill lots of people. You know, you feel bad for him. He's kind of trapped in this, with this dude who's trying to become like a crime boss. and then, But he's like, eh, at least this isn't anything that affects the world in a major way. And then these guys show up, and they're like, oh, get ready to affect the world in a major way. And he's like, oh, man. <laughs> uh, this is the opposite of what I wanted. And so you feel you feel for the guy. I, I feel for him. I, I don't want him to have to kill a bunch of people he, he doesn't want to kill or, or actually has feelings about killing just because of what it would do to the world at large. But, you know, I feel like when you kill a king, you can't stay invisible forever. You know, somebody's going to, especially if they find out, like, you're this dude that like all they have to do is get this rock and then they can make you do whatever they want. It's mm-hmm. like that's uh that's definitely definitely scary. So a little little apprehensive about what's gonna happen with Seth. And then we've got uh we've got Shalan. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Jamie. It's like you hate to like she's now gotta do this task that she's been charged with her from her family to do but she's actually like forming a relationship with jasna jasna's actually you know taking the ward thing seriously trying to like teach her and she's rubbing shoulders with all these people that like like her you know it's uh it's a difficult position to be in for her for sure we got the weirdness of her having like seen creepy dudes and uh then we got kaladin who's who seems like things are on the up and up, but with the stuff in the background with Gaz, I just feel like we're in for some chop, you know? It's not going to mm-hmm. be, it's not going to keep going well for the poor guy, unfortunately. We thought he was maybe you're out to turn the corner, but I don't see that lasting for very long based on, based on what's going on. So I like the phrasing um, there, we're in for some chop. Yep. That's what it and, feels like. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I don't know where we're going. I'll probably form an opinion as we're talking about it, and then I'll have something for predictions, but predicaments. But uh, it's not good. It's funny with Kaladin because we started out. Well, I guess at the very beginning it was like, oh, Kaladin's awesome, and then within that same episode, it's like, oh, geez, life sucks for Kaladin. I mean, it's got to get better, right? And then it just got worse, and then and now it's like, oh, maybe things half. We're, we're what, what percentage of the way out through the book? We're about forty-five percent of the way through the book when we start these chapters. So finally, it's like, oh, it it, it looks like maybe it's going to take an upswing finally. And it's just like, nope, nope. I I see the cliff coming. He, it's it's going to get worse again. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, he just can't win. You know, it can't be Kaladin's day for once. Everything's coming up Millhouse, not Kaladin. Yeah, and you feel yeah, you, know, you just feel for the guy. But maybe that day's coming. You know, he's got he's got magic fairy on his shoulder. He's he's got some kind of mystical powers. Have to has to at this point. Like, there's been so many clues. There's got to be some kind of magic going on. So uh, yeah, hopefully things will turn up. Yeah, it turns out he's just a normal dude. No magic. It's weird, right? <laughs> he's uh, yeah, he's one of the main characters, but he has no powers of any kind <laughs> that we know of. It's true. 
I mean, we got a lot of a lot of like viewpoint characters in this book. They can't all end up being uh, superheroes, can they? Sure, they can. Why not? It's the Cosmere. There's literally powers like you, like anyone can be made into a into a superhero. Yeah. Mm. Kind of what kind of bullshit statement from our host is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end of the first trilogy, we read like God literally turns Spook into like. The, like the greatest hero of them all. Yeah, that's exactly. true. That's this true. Guy, yeah. yeah, you got to remember old data. This guy reads from a card. He knows. What <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about like I didn't even count like because we got a viewpoint from Gaz here. Like that that's not that doesn't count. He's not a viewpoint character. No, and but, and it wasn't even. I don't count like when it switches midway to a character we've never yeah, heard right. inside of before. I don't count that as a viewpoint character. I feel like that's Brandon stretching his legs and being so like, who do we got? We got Kaladin. Go. We got Shalon. Seth already has superpowers. We have. Uh, He's not really have... a lead though. He just he just shows up every so often. Oh, That's we don't true. know. Maybe he is a lead. We have Dalinar and we have Adolin. Is that all of our like main view characters? So that's four guys who could pop up with some superpowers. Yeah, I feel like there's not like a main viewpoint character that's in a prologue that doesn't end up being important in Brandon's books. So I feel like mm. he's important. Oh, imp- important, sure, but he's not like there all the time. Like, well, I mean, he only sure. shows up in the interludes. The viewpoint character in the prologue for the Final Empire was like Goodman Menace or whatever. No, I thought it was Kelsier. Is it not? Oh, maybe it was Kelsier. It was half and half. It might have been, yeah. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Nah, he's, he's, he's like, going back go to this one. <laughs> it's going it's to bother me. I, I just remember we talked recently about it, uh, about like Goodman Menace being the viewpoint. And so now I'm like, is that not right? Oh, Goodman Menace. I think you're right. I think like up to the point where. Uh, I think up to the point, like, you know, you start with, with the Lord guy. Yeah, we start out then, with Tresting, and then we right. switch to Kelsier. And then after the fire, we and then yeah, to I think after the fire, it's Menace, you're right. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so it, it, there's three viewpoint characters, two of which do not end up being major, because Tresting dies off screen, yeah. and uh, Menace shows up Goodman like Menace once. comes back, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, well, let's let's do this. Let's get into these chapters. We start out with a work of art, and once it's like you can't introduce Seth without saying his whole thing. Seth, son, son, Volano, sh- Volano, truthless of Shinovar, crouched yeah. on it, so he's he's hanging out. Uh, well, I mean, I can say his name without saying the whole thing, because no. I don't remember the whole thing. Not allowed. <laughs> so basically, since we last saw Seth, that guy who picked up his oath stone has become a bit of a crime lord. And uses Seth to, you know, kill off his enemies and to just generally intimidate people by, like, hanging out up on top of, like, a gargoyle in a, in a big, like, cloak with a mask over his face just to, like, yeah, watch out. Makek could have uh, that guy come after you. And he, he says that his shin eyes are too round and slightly too large and people think they look like the eyes of a child. Why, why did that disturb them so? I mean, creepy children are some of the scariest, you know? There's some guys uh, doing drugs, fire moss that you rub between your fingers, which is one of the more straightforward methods for doing drugs, much less invasive than having to shoot up, I guess. Uh, and so, yeah, McKeck has got a has got some gambling dens going and he's uh, this is one of them just hanging out. So this fire time. moss, this fire moss, they, they rub it between their fingers and it somehow makes them feel euphoric. I feel it like says it's that not. The, Go ahead. It like blisters your fingers. Right. So it like it's like smoke comes up. So I guess. Eh. I don't know. It, it sounds almost more like the feeling that they're getting sounds almost more like it's a pain thing, not like a drug thing. But I don't know. 
Well, yeah, it says at first, it, it like, but once you grow calluses, it could make you feel euphoric. So it seems like maybe a chemical reaction to me where you rub it and then it like burns you with whatever chemical is in the leaf. And then once you get used to your skin gets used to it, and it's no longer burning you. The chemical has a different effect as it gets into your system. You just rub, you just rub it on, on your, on your, on your side and it slowly goes into your liver. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it makes me places. think of uh, it makes me think of like all those. I don't think it's a, as big a thing in, anymore, but there used to be like bars where you would drink, but you're not actually drinking. It's like you know they would serve vodka as like a flash of light or like mm. a whiskey lotion, like stuff like that. That's what it makes me think of. That that's sounds weird. unscientific. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It might be fiction. I might have seen that on a TV show. I don't remember. Possibly. That reminds me of like you can buy the the caffeine caffeinated soap that you use in the morning to get your uh, your burst of caffeine. What the shit? Uh, let me tell you. Dad, don't drink coffee. Are, just take a shower. Yeah, Americans are, are fucked up. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, I also like that he he notes the ladies with the plunging necklines and their exposed safe hand, which the people here find very provocative. And he's like, I mean, it's just a hand, guys. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> But only the safe hand. Like the yeah. other hand is not as equally as provocative. No, I guess not. It's like, mm. oh, you see the left or the right hand all the time. That left hand, though, who knows what's going on? Yeah, you yeah like exactly. The, the greatest scandal in this country. They expose the safe hand and cover the other one. <gasps> Whoa. That's that sounds, yeah, that sounds like America right there. Yeah, that, that's 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 like the ultimate let them eat cake thing. <laughs> You know what it is? It's that like that safe hand never gets washed, so it's like all you know, <laughs> smells Ugh. gross and like it's there's it's not exfoliated, so there's all this dead skin just t- just chilling out there. People are like, oh, it's so gross, yeah. but it's so hot. <laughs> Ew. Got so, yeah, got some of that pretty safe bad. hand stank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh. uh that's that's my new that's my new lotion line. Safe hand stank. But, <laughs> It, it's weird because in these gambling halls, because they're Vorin, like they don't, they, you can't guess the future. That's bad. So yeah. the games are not like throwing dice or looking, flipping cards. Uh, it's, it's it's stuff like breakneck, which I don't, I don't know that we know what that is, and shallow crab fights. I guess picking the winner of the fight is not predicting the future. I don't know. Yeah, I guess they don't care about the crabs. Like that, that's not a future because the crabs are all going to die anyway. So you're not really predicting it. I, just, I want to see what a shallow crab is and why they're the ones that you want to have fight. I mean, crabs ahoy, am I right? Yep, exactly. Yep. No, it was more like crab at the. Crab honestly. at the. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like he's he's got his weird stuff about like not walking on stone and not using stormlight. But he's like, no, my weird stuff is normal. These people's weird stuff about <laughs> like not wanting to guess the future and covering your left hand. They're the weirdos. I think what we really are learning from this book is tolerance. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, he, he does. He does think at one point. It's like, a, wait a minute. How can they not walk on that on stone? Yep. They don't have dirt. Yeah. He's like, I guess I get it. Like, you know, you don't have dirt. You don't have soil. You got to walk on stone. Can't really. What make are they supposed to do? Throw yeah. some stuff around. Walk yeah, on. You got to play, play like the floor is lava. Yeah. Just carry like a roll of carpet and like you unroll it. You walk to one end, then you roll it back up and you yep. sweep it forward again. Yeah. What you should really do is just say like, well, I'm wa- I have shoes on, so I'm not walking on the stone. I'm walking in my shoes. My shoes are on the stone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're, you're never on the stone. Ah, Got technicality. It. Yeah. 
And put some soil in your shoes if it makes you feel better. Like, I don't care what you do. It's like Davy Jones and his bucket of water in those movies. Yeah, exactly. All the guys uh, who were with him when McKeck found, uh, like, when they killed, uh, I forget what his old boss's name even was, drunken guy. McKeck has had uh, Seth kill all of them, so no one knows about the Oath Stone. And so everyone's like, oh, man, if McKeck, like, controls uh, somebody this badass as, like, Seth, how badass must McKeck be, right? Not very. I feel like that's a, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's flawed reasoning. Right? Yeah, I mean, maybe he just has lots of money. You don't know. And so then McKeck is sending him out uh, to kill a new rival in town. Also, he's, he's like, what's the point of covering my face? I'm the only shin in town. Like, everyone knows who I am. <laughs> it's just, but there's a new guy in town named Gavashaw who uh, is trying to muscle in on McKeck's territory. And so Seth is off to kill him. Uh, and the guy's at the city lord's manor because apparently the guy in charge of the city is uh, like backing this new guy so that he's not losing his power of the city to this crime lord. Yeah, but then you're just gonna have to worry about that. It, you know, you know what it is. It's it's that episode of The Simpsons where they bring in yep. the uh, the things <laughs> to eat the other things. Like it's the just it's never ending. To, to eat the yeah yeah. No, no, the, the lizards part. are what they want to have eaten, right? Right, yeah. So they bring in like frogs, and then the frogs have to be eaten by like, like the needle snakes. Crazy. And then you bring in, yeah, yeah. You bring in the the gorillas, the gorillas to eat the snakes. No, and that's the beautiful part. Comes, when winter rolls around, you just wait for the apes to freeze to death. Um, <laughs> poor apes. It's such it's such an elegant plan. But yes, yeah, so uh, we we it's a long series of like Seth trying to sneak in. Like he doesn't want to have to kill anyone that he doesn't have to kill. So he's going to try to sneak in and just kill the one guy he's been sent for. McKeck doesn't care how overt or sneaky it is. He leaves that up to Seth, and Seth's like, well, I choose not to murder people wantonly. Yeah, McKeck is very much the guy who's like, go kill that guy. All right, how do you want me to do it? The fuck do I look like to you? Someone who thinks about things? <laughs> it's like, what, I got to do everything here? I got to come up with all that? You figure it out. Jeez. He's, McKeck really does seem like uh, the, the guy from Futurama. is like, what do I look like? It's a guy who's not lazy? <laughs> Exactly. You are lazy, right? Oh, don't get me don't started. Get me started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I do like the bit where he cuts a piece of stone out of the roof and then like binds it to the sky and just like zooms away and then you hear it like crash to the ground. He's like, man, I hope that didn't smash anybody. Oh, well, what are you going to do? This, this yeah. section made me realize something. It's like. That first chapter where we saw Seth and he killed Gavilar, and we were all hyped on, man, this magic system is cool. Like, I want to see more of it. And then it just hasn't shown up again. Is it a Shin Shin magic system specifically, or is it just such a hidden system that not many people have it? I mean, we know back in Elantris, it was like each country had, like, their own magic, maybe. Or at the very least, it's like Elantris magic was native to, like, the area around Elantris, and then... yeah. But it's like no one even talks about this. Yeah, no one does. You are yeah. absolutely right. We haven't heard or seen anything. What yeah. And I think in the prologue, like I thought, you know, this Gavilar King guy knows how to do it, too. But obviously that was not the case. Yeah, we just assumed because he had shard, a shard blade as well that he knew all this, all the lashings. But right. nope, or at least if he did, he didn't talk about it. And Dalinar's just never once said, oh, yeah, like Gavilar once stuck me to the roof. <laughs> No, I think in the in the prologue, Gavilar was thrown off by like dude jumping on the ceiling to fight him. Like it, was it, he? I thought it, it was the gods. Yeah. I, I don't think so. Hmm. But uh, we we do find out that 
Seth, we knew that we know that he can't kill, uh, but he won't obey an order to kill himself. That's one of his rules. And his other one is he will not relinquish his shard blade. And uh, if he is killed, the Shin Stone Shamans will recover the shard blade from whoever killed him. Which if someone kills Seth uh, and takes the blade, yeah. they must be pretty badass. So. These <laughs> yeah, stone these shamans. Stone shamans like cool. I want to know, I want to know what their deal is because they must be the badassest, right? Yeah, those are like the 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 ninjas of the Shin. Well, what if what if he's being entirely literal and they're shamans made of stone? Ooh, that would be intimidating. It's that like of course cool. shard yeah, blades I... can cut through stone, so maybe they're like the perfect blend of person and stone, so it doesn't cut them. Oh, or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Just, I am Stone Man. Just, yeah. It's like you just see this guy walking down the street. It's like, oh, fuck, yeah, I got this shiny new shard blade. And all like all of a sudden, like, the ground just opens up around him and all these rock rock monsters just stand up. It's like, give it. It's like, no. And he goes to fight and it's like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and then he gets punted into a wall. I do like the thought that he has about, like, he hopes that no one figures out, like, this Shin guy with a shard blade. He's trying – he doesn't want – people to find out about the shard blade but it, rumors are starting to spread he's like what if somebody makes the connection to like the guy who killed the king famously a shin with a shard blade it could draw all of the alethi king and high princes like down on yakoved from mm-hmm. their war thousands would die blood would fall like the rain of a high storm that could be bad yeah that's what you want be very this, bad this does sound like foreshadowing like now that he- like at the end of the chapter when he gets contracted by this by these mysterious people, mm-hmm. just kind of a yeah, um, okay, that's gonna happen. Could be. Of course, we don't know. It doesn't seem like he'll be staying in one place for too long with his new list of people around the world to murder. So might be more probably difficult. not. But. And so yeah, he he sneaks in there, cuts his way into the room where the guy's supposed to be, and he finds the guy's head on the table. He's like, oh, all right. <laughs> and, a voice is like uh, Seth son Naturo. He's like, oh man, who knows my dad? What the hell? <laughs> Are you friends with my dad? <laughs> you got to tell me if you're friends with my dad, because he's a dick. <laughs> Are you satisfied with this? Are you satisfied with trivial crimes, killing over meaningless turf in the backwater mining villages? Yeah. Hey, I didn't pick the truth star in life, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm, as far as we know. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Well, we don't know. You are not meant for petty extortions and murderers. It's like hitching a Rishadium stallion to a rundown market wagon. It's like using a shard blade to slice vegetables. It is a crime. You are a work of art, Seth Sun Naturo. A god. And it's just like, who are you? An admirer of the arts. And then he says, do not call me by my father's name. He should not be sullied by association with me. So I guess that explains to us why when all the other Shin are like, son so-and-so or daughter so-and-so he is son son volano just like a grandparent i i mean that that would make sense right the son of the son of volano my my dad does not deserve to be associated with me my grandfather on the other hand completely jerk maybe he's dead (laughs) so it's okay who knows yeah my grandfather was played by peter falk like that kid in the freaking uh princess bride the guy's just like, I mean, don't you want to use your skills for greatness? And Seth's like, dude, there's no greatness in killing. Great men create food and clothing. He who adds is to be revered. I am he who takes away. Which goes to explain some of what we saw in the the interlude with the Shin. Like, the farmer is really well-respected and wealthy, and the warriors are, like, servants, essentially. So, 
I guess when you're a farmer, you are he who adds because you're yeah, growing right. food and adding to stuff. Dude, this yeah. sounds awesome. Why don't we focus on the Alethi when the Shin culture sounds great? Right, yeah. Yeah. It's much nicer. I, I feel like we should just – is there – data? can we just skip to the book? <laughs> the Shin are the main characters. Like, that's going to be more enjoyable for everybody. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that's not going to come at some point. But... Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we could have um, book fives coming out next year. We, You know, could be Shin, Shin Galore in there. There could be. And so – Eventually, Seth is just tired of this conversation, and he turns to go, and the guy's like, wait, where are you going? I mean, Gavishaw's dead. I got to go back to my master. And then uh, another head comes, like, gets tossed into the middle of the room, and it's McKeck. It's like, oh, yeah, we took him seconds after you left the gambling den. I want to see that scene on page. Like, do they just rock in there with everybody around to, like, cut his head off? It's like SEAL Team 6 showing up. uh... (laughs) Nah, I think they just don't. They don't even hide it. They just... They just do it. <laughs> Seth is just like, a, wait, how did I not hear that? We don't get a good look at the guy, this guy because he's wearing a mask, but we do know that he has Seth's O-Stone, and Seth is like, okay, what are your orders? There's a list on the table. It details our master's wishes. And uh, it turns out that he's going to kill, there's two dozen names. He says, mm. these are some of the most powerful people in the world. Six high princes, a Sele Tark, and the king of Yaakoved. Which, gee, sucks for the king of Yakovet, I guess. Yeah, what did he do? <laughs> yeah, well, he's dead. <laughs> and are these six of, like, the Alethi high princes? Like, we know where all ten of them are, so... Yeah, maybe Seth is going to run into... plans, for sure, <laughs> if he's going to kill these dudes. Is Dalinar on the list? Is oh, Sadius on the list? Oh, my gosh. Oh, but damn. Well, Dalinar, Dalinar better not be on the list. <laughs> Dalinar abdicated. He's not, a high, he's not the high prince anymore. Not that we know. Yeah, nobody knows that yet. Is he abdicated? Yeah, he hasn't officially done it yet. Not on page, so, anyway. So, yeah, what happens is Seth has the list, and Dalinar's on the list, and then Dalinar abdicates, and, like, the guy who made the list finds out, and he can't get a hold of Seth to, like, tell him to <laughs> right. switch to Adolin instead. He's like, God he's, damn. He's standing over Adolin, just, like, plunging his shard lady to him, and the guy bursts. He's like, wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. Uh, it's like, what good is this stone if it's not, like, a beeper also? <laughs> Medieval pager. <laughs> And also this guy, uh, the guy who's giving him the instructions is a soul caster because he turns the wall into smoke to leave, which seems unnecessary to me. Like, dude, there are doors or and you must have gotten in somehow. Did you make a wall into smoke to come in and then you make a different one into smoke to go out? But yes, uh, we end we end the chapter with uh, Seth being like, this is my worst nightmare to be in the hands of someone who understands my capabilities and has the ambition to use them. I just. Hang on, to go back to that, I would just live for the day where a soul caster, like, you know, does tries to do the dramatic exit thing, turns a wall into smoke, and it's a load-bearing wall, so the roof collapses. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, yeah, that'd be that's great. that's true. He's like, I'll see you. Oh, God! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, this is horrific for Seth. I'm sorry. Poor <laughs> sure, sure. It, Seth's it having a hard time. too worried about thinking about the walls. <laughs> data, data goes a bit quick sometimes, and I've got to just like, well, I need to go back to this. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> It's uh, it's great stuff. Funny, funny stuff. I want to go back to a Sele Gerontark. So let's say Gerontark. Uh-huh. Gerontology is like, is that like old people? Yeah. yeah. Study of old people. Oh my God, he's going to assassinate the head of the nursing home. Dude. <laughs> Wait, does the head of a nursing home study old people? I feel like <laughs> he's probably going to assassinate like a scientist, right? Well, maybe the maybe the head of the nursing home is the um 
you know, he's got the live samples that let's not go down this road. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. That was uh, just a weird word to throw in there with the king and the high princes. Right. Turns out the head gerontologist is actually like, you know, that's his side gig. He actually hunts (laughs) possums full time. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I've been studying old people since the dawn of time. I know yeah, they... now look where it's got us. We're being chased by some wacko assassin all in white. Yeah, well, this from the boy who wants to be his own grandpa. Fucking weirdo. At least they won't try to kill me for that. Well, not yet. I mean, maybe but they will. <laughs> you know this because you study old people? Oh, I know what the lady's like, old or not. <laughs> don't know how that's relevant, but. That's no, sad. I don't know where to go from that. Hard to yes and that. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, okay, we're we're moving into part three, which is called dying. It's, the important it's... thing is Dalinar's name's not on it, so he's not the one dying. We hope. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We don't have a Dalinar or Adolin perspective uh, listed. Thank God. We do get a map or a picture of Carbronth, which is kind of cool. Uh, I don't know what much to say about that. You can see that it's in like this late with the the stone walls on either side, uh, and then. The uh, the first chapter is Errorgance, which doesn't make any sense until you read the chapter. It's like, oh, okay. And our first new epigraph, the ones of ash and fire who killed like a swarm, relentless before the heralds. Noted in Masley, page 337, corroborated by Coldwin and Hasava. So this sounds like it's going to be a great time. <laughs> like this, this volcano monsters? This, uh, I, this just sounds like a... Uh, I mean, and maybe it's appropriate because we're starting with the how Yasna and Sean are doing scholar stuff. But this just sounds like somebody's writing a report and they're uh, th- this is uh, their what do you call yeah, it? Yeah, it sounds citation. like a historiography. Yeah, it sounds like a historiography type thing. Uh, man, I, I remember having to do various citations in college sure. for oh, all the different yeah. styles. What'd you use? Turabian mostly? That's what I use mostly. Oh, well, it depended on the class. Like different professors had different requirements. But I right. I did, you know, I was a psych major, so a lot of American Psychological Association. Mm, sure. APA. Uh, anyway, so we start out with a span read conversation between, uh, not Yasna, between Shalon. I hope Yasna's not involved in this conversation. And uh, between Shalon and her family. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, it sounds like you're getting in good with her. When can you switch the Soulcaster? Yeah, when can you do the thing that we want you to do because you've been gone a long time and things are not going well? And she says, like, she keeps it on her all day, and then she locks it away at night. But once she trusts me more, she might start using me as, like, a bathing attendant. And then <laughs> I assume that she takes it off when she takes a bath. Can you imagine? It's like, I'm your ward. I'll watch you take a bath. It's cool. Well, I'll watch. I mean, you, gotta, you need somebody to, to do all the attending. Sure. Yeah, but, but also, it's like, we assume she takes off to bathe. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she's like, she turns... Maybe um, Maybe she just like like finds a rock pool full of like full of oil or something and just turns into water and just jumps straight in. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe she like does a badass move where she turns her clothes into smoke. She's like, okay, I'm ready. And they're like, wait, what about your clothes? And she's like, I can make more. Power move. Yeah. She's she's talking to her brothers, but actually because you know men can't read or write, she's talking to Ailita Nanbalot's <clears throat> betrothed, who is doing the writing on the other end. And it's like Nan Balot wants me to point out that we're very sorry to make you do this. It must be difficult. And she's like, I mean, it's difficult not to love this and want to stay here and screw over you guys because this is awesome. 
or no, I have to, like my my family of like the the crazy gambling guy, the guy who murders small animals, and the drunk. Was it the drunk? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'd really rather be back with you guys rather than pursuing <laughs> my every interest. Yes. Yeah, I have to save uh, my abusive father's reputation. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, we talk. It, it mentions Asha Jushu, who had a gambling problem and used to like steal from their father's house to sell stuff to pay his debts. He's now selling off their possessions, pretending it's still for that, but it's really to help them stay ahead of these debts, their father's debts. So that's kind of nice that he can turn his old vices into something helpful. It's true. It does. It does seem like like all, all the siblings have united in this. So that's something yeah. at least. And then it's like. Shalon, this is Nanbalat. I've sent the others away. It's just me and Ailita now. There's something you need to know. Luesh is dead. So Luesh was their father's steward. He's the one who knew how to use the soul caster. And apparently he just died in his sleep. They're like, we don't think it, he was killed. But uh, after that, some guys showed up and uh, they implied they knew about the soul caster and suggested strongly that I was to return it to them. I don't know how you imply that you know about a thing and then suggest that it should be returned to you if you haven't explicitly <laughs> said that you know about the thing. But what I mean, I guess they could have been like, we know that your father had a particular accessory that he would uh, wear. Okay. We'd very much like that returned to us. Yeah. It'd be, ter- be terrible if it stayed here and got caught in the fire when your house burned down. Wait, what? <laughs> Nothing? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> uh, you know, just, just theories. Imagine if that's how they approached it. And the the accessory turned out to be like a necklace or something. Yeah, it's like totally different thing. <laughs> Not the soul caster at all. Yeah. <laughs> just making assumptions here. That'd be they, hilarious. They returned a broken yeah. soul caster. It was like, wait, what the hell is well, this? Uh, yeah, this is what we wanted. Oh, yeah, always. This, this isn't like my grandmother's diamond. ring. Yeah, he had like a diamond necklace. Where is it? Yeah, everyone always jumps to the worst possible conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted my pancake skillet back. <laughs> Pancake skillet. That's an accessory. That. <laughs> Check it's out my pancake skillet one. accessory. <laughs> Where's it like a backpack? Your father has something of ours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something very important to us. Yeah. For pancakes. I mean. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they're like. For uh, breakfast. It looks, it looks like Luash was uh, like, was the one behind this. Like he was the go-between between their dad and these guys and there was some sort of plan like we maybe dad was making a play to become the new high prince and these guys were backing him and so i was like hey you guys could back me instead and then they just laughed and then they left mm-hmm. they're like ah, ha, ha. Uh, you don't know how to make pancakes <laughs> I just I see I, for some reason when they describe these guys I just see like the mafia from the Simpsons like fat Tony's mm. walking in he's like you see my wife she's been very vocal on the subject of the soulcaster where is the soulcaster when are you going to get the soulcaster and so on in that fashion <laughs> oh I love fat Tony he's one of the best fat Tony's right I also love that it's like yeah I remember the commentaries for some of the Simpsons episodes where they're like yeah like you know Joe Montana plays fat Tony and uh he told us, like, don't ever use somebody else. Like, if Fat Tony is in an episode and he coughs, I want to be the guy that you call to do the lines. So, you know, I, I'm here. I'll, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to do it. I'm Fat it's Tony. The same with um, Kelsey Grammer, Sideshow Bob, isn't it? He's like, if, got, if, I, if there's one line, I want to be there. I know that Kelsey Grammer hates the Sideshow Bob laugh. Does uh, he really? Like, apparently it is, like, very hard on him to do that laugh. And every time he's like, do we have to do the laugh this time? And they're like, oh, you're doing the laugh. 
Oh. <laughs> I mean, I could imagine that that kind of laugh cannot be easy to uh, to just whip out whenever. But also, to be fair, like he's done it enough times, they could probably just use stock audio for it. Well, and yeah, and that was one of the things that they said there that it was, he was like, I mean, can you guys just use a preview like an old take or whatever? Uh, and that was and also the time where Sideshow Bob is stepping on all the rakes. No, oh, yeah. Like, He's like, can't you guys just like reset? No, you got to do all of them. What? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such tangents. Yeah, we're having a good time on the Sanderlanch this week. Don't, yeah. don't, don't stop the train. And so Shalana's like, hey, have you guys thought like what will happen if it, they find out that we've stolen an Alethi Soulcaster? Like these are super valuable items to a nation. I mean, my... We might be starting a war. And his brothers, her brother's like, oh, no, like there won't be a war. Our king will just hand us over to them and they will execute us. <laughs> and she's well, like, your, ki- your king might not be around for much longer. That's true. But she, she's just like, wow, comforting. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, You're yeah, thanks. Thanks for asking me to do this. I, uh, this is great. I, I, I feel like this is one of those situations where it's hard to communicate sarcasm in writing. And she's like, wonderfully comforting. Thank you so yeah. much. And he goes, You're welcome. It's like, yeah, I mean, hopefully she just doesn't realize. Like, she'll probably just assume that hers broke for some reason. And Shalon's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, she, like, yeah, Yasna is very much the sort of person who will have her initials engraved in her Soulcaster, so. Maybe, yeah. And so she goes out, and uh, it's time to attend Yasna and do some, some learning. Now, hang on a minute. I think we skipped something quite crucial here. Okay. The symbol that was on Luesh's pendant and was on oh, the guys yeah. who showed up. That symbol that. sounds familiar. Because, yeah, she's like, she, they're like, have you ever seen this mm. symbol before? And I lead as a bad artist, but it's a, a simple picture of three diamond shapes in a curious pattern. Oh, those Mitsubishi salesmen are back. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Kelsey's crew, eh? So now we're thinking that uh, this may be the Ghost Bloods. Yeah. Although we, we also were thinking that, like, those. So are the guys who showed up at, uh, at was like Demu and, uh, and Galadon? Mm-hmm. Like, are they the ones who showed up at. Uh, Shalon's house could be could have been Ooh, maybe that could be interesting yeah okay I, uh, it, it feels less intimidating now if if that's who it was though it's like it's not like the mafia showing up it's right. Demu and Bayon and Galadon and they're like hey we, we want that Soulcaster back Colo right yeah but you know it's more likely now that they were trying to make pancakes <laughs> oh yeah 100 percent I Galadon likes pancakes I'm sure yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like uh, that episode, that scene in Ocean's 13. It's like I told her I wasn't a pancake eater. <laughs> so what'd you do? I, I, I threw it on the floor. To, to be fair, like, Damer, he's never struck us as the most intimidating guy, but he is a general. True. Bayon is straight up an assassin. And Gal- Galadon, well, you know, he's not he's not exactly terrifying, but I still wouldn't, like, if, if he fought me in a fist fight, I would lose within half a second, I'm sure. So, yeah, that's true of me and most people, probably. Just... So, like, if if I didn't know who the three guys were and they showed up on my doorstep, like, I probably would not be thinking of like them as like, oh, you know, you guys are you guys are all right. Like, I would <laughs> I'd, I'd be intimidated as well. Now we we know that uh, pure lake dude, he was not intimidated by them. He was just like, ah, these crazy foreigners. They also never feed out of the water. Him, I guess that's true. That guy, I don't know. That guy doesn't feel like he gets intimidated. He's just like yeah. too relaxed for that. Uh, but yes, that, thank you for pointing that out. I'd forgotten that the the three symbols was in that section, or the three diamonds pattern. So yeah, interesting possibilities. If Kelsier's crew really is uh, involved in some stuff going on, I mean, 
if that is them, then they're not just out here searching for Hoyt. They're trying to alter the course of mm. like of succession in the the nation of Yakoved. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And they got a hold of a soul caster somewhere. Like, all right. Yep. Apparently that's not an easy thing to do. What's Kelsey are up to? Well, I don't yeah. know. Maybe he's behind the guys who who took Seth over too. Maybe he's doing some shenanigans. That could I did also have be that him. Because yeah. I mean, we're talking about the next king of Yakoved, and then they st- straight up go like, "I want you to kill the king of Yakoved." So yeah, yeah, that's true. Who's a? I mean, apparently, yeah. Okay, that just apparently like the uh, the high prince in it, where Shalon lives is not in good shape either. So. A lot, of, a lot of important people in Yakovet maybe not living long because there was a whole that was the whole point of like her dad making a play for succession to the high prince's seat was that uh, he's sick or something. And so we cut to to Shalon and Yasna. Shalon's doing some research and she's just like, I am really coming to hate the Alethi monarchy. And Yasna's like, oh, really? I, I'll try not to take it personally. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, picture moment. And she's like, I didn't mean individually, Brightness Yasna. I meant categorically. I don't know that that helps. But okay. No, no, that distinction is 100% the sort of thing that Yasna will will appreciate. It's like, yeah. ah, yes, debating time. Let's go. Fair point. Yeah. So Yasna has her researching stuff about the Alethi monarchy, the history of it. And she's finding it boring. And she's also annoyed by the way that these guys are making their points, where they're she says they refuse to see any other point of view. And yes, it's like, no, they're confident. And she's like, I'm not an expert at confidence brightness, but I'd like to think I could recognize it if it were for me. And I don't think that's the right word for this. It feels like arrogant or maybe arrogant. E-R-R-O-R-G-A-N-T. <laughs> she said the title chapter. I can't believe it. Roll credits. It means twice as certain as someone who's merely arrogant while possessing only one tenth the requisite facts. Welcome to Arrogance Park. And Yasna's like, yeah, that's something called the Assuredness Movement. It's like a, a literary device. And I do like Shalon's line of, I guess I could get behind that. Oh, yeah, much easier to stab it in the back from that position. <laughs> what what doesn't make sense to me is like, I don't know, and maybe that's because, maybe that's because I think it should be written objectively. It's like, when you're writing history, why would you use a literary device? Why wouldn't you just mm. write it the way that it occurred? Why would you use this assuredness thing? Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to write an account of history that way. Well, apparently it's like an account, but it's also it also includes opinions because she's reading about like King Gavilar's death. And the oh, different yeah. writers have different theories about why or uh, the, the uh, Parshendi did what they did. So basically, the way they write it is like, I'm so sure it happened this way. Yeah. When reading these books, scholarship and ignorance feel much alike to me. Yeah. So I I get it now. You know, you're reading a book by Mark the Historian, and Mark the Historian is like, I'm so sure it happened this way. It de- and he says in his book, it definitely didn't happen the way Jimmy the Historian said, like this. And this is why it didn't happen this way. It happened this way. Like that, I guess yeah. that makes a little more sense to me. And so, yeah, she's annoyed by this. And, uh, Yasna's like, what about intelligence without ignorance, finding truth while not dismissing the possibility of being wrong? A mythical, a mythological treasure, brightness, like the Dawn Shards or the Honor Blades, certainly worth seeking, but only with great caution. So the Honor Blades and the Dawn Shards are mythological treasures. 
and I do like finally Yazda calls her out and it's like, okay, look, if you put half the energy that you devote to being witty into like your work, you could become one of the greatest scholars ever. And Shalon's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I know that I've got like this fault where I, I try, I, I'm like, always like throwing out these quips. My, my tutors tried to get that, discourage that. And Yasna like quizzes her a little bit on how that works. She's like, oh yeah, those, your tutors were stupid. That doesn't help. That just makes it worse. And she basically like says exactly what happened. Like you just, you, you, you turned it into a game, right? Like how much could you say to her before you're under punishment? Could you say something so clever your tutors missed the joke? And sitting in corners just gave you time to come up with more things to say. I prefer my wards to be clever. It gives me more to work with. I, I should bring you to court. I suspect wit at least would find you amusing. Yeah, they'd probably get along. Okay, so then we're talking about the the theories about why the Parshendi killed her father. And like uh, none of it really makes any sense. We're about the assassin in white. A true anomaly. The undertexts are filled with commentary about him. Why would they hire an outside assassin? Did they think they couldn't do it? Maybe they didn't hire him and were framed. What That seems unlikely since they took credit for it. You could be being blackmailed. Mm. I mean, being blackmailed to take credit for it, which would draw the Alethi down to kill all of your people, that seems uh, whatever they've got on you must be real bad. Mm. We, we we have a much more efficient way of killing the, uh, the crab monsters that you worship, whereas the uh, Alethi aren't as good at it, so they're the lesser of two evils in this case. Oh, interesting. It's about preserving their gods. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a good theory. We find we find out about two people: the Sunmaker, who began his conquest at seventeen, and Gavara, who she proposed the theory of the three realms, which that's a thing that we kind of know something about. Hey, she was spot on. And then we've got uh, Gregor, who was a young king, notorious for beginning a pointless war with kingdoms kingdoms that had been his father's allies. So, just some little bits of history. That's a funny way of saying Joffrey. <laughs> And it's it's funny because she's like she thought that being a ward under Yasna would be a bunch of busy work and memorization. But it's act, like she has she's like, Here, here's a topic I want you to research. Go and pursue that. And then, like, actually, they talk about it and stuff like this is this is amazing for her. This is a completely new way of doing things. Yasna loved learning and she wanted others to love learning as well. And she has to keep reminding herself, like, don't don't fall in love with this. Don't get drawn in. You're not here to to become a master scholar. You're here to rob this lady and save your brothers in your house. And then the uh, the king of Carbronth shows up, who we met briefly when Shalon first got to town. Uh, he's an old dude who uh, we find out later in the chapter people think of as being kind of not dumb exactly, but just average. So not as smart as uh, to be respected by them. But his uh, Teravangian comes to sit down and have lunch with them. Which is uh, Teravangian is a whole, is a name, and sometimes uh, I've seen people call him like Mister T, so you don't have to type all that out. That completely changes the reading of the character. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, very different. Uh, and so he's come to chat with uh, with Yasna and Shalon a little bit. We find out that he 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 wants Shalon to draw a picture of him. But before we get to that, he and Yasna have a conversation about faith and the Almighty. And he's like, I mean, how how do you get by with without having anything to believe in? And she's like, I mean, I have stuff that I believe in. It's just not a god. Oh, I guess he starts out by being like, you know, the 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 ardents in town, they're not super happy. 
about what, what you did and what's going on, which she told him when she showed up and he asked her to do save his granddaughter. She was like, the Ardents aren't going to be happy and they're very powerful, you know. And he wants to know about her soul caster and uh, she doesn't want to tell him. He's like, I mean, I've already got some required some new enemies by welcoming you. She's like, ah, you'll be forgiven depending on your devotary. And he's forgiven me. <laughs> Unlikely, but that's something else entirely. <laughs> I, I, I like Shalon's just like, he's got this deep regret in his expression. Like this, this guy is deeper mm. than we find out right here. And I kind of am interested in him. Yeah. He seems like a cool dude. But yeah, so he came to to ask about uh, her soul caster, which yes, and she's like, I'm sorry, man, I'm not going to tell you. I, I forgive curiosity. I cannot reward it this time. But he has heard about her ward's artistic skill and wants her to draw a picture of him. And Shalon is like, oh, yeah, sure. Why not? And while she's drawing, that's when they get into the debate about uh, about faith. Uh, is it hard for you, Yasna? Painful, I mean? And she's like, atheism is not a disease. It's not a, like I've caught a foot rash. And so she believes that like, her heart basically tells her what's right and wrong. And he believes that what's right and wrong comes from God. And that's how it, you determine that. And so they have a discussion. And in the end, he's like, you know what? You make your arguments well. I mean, I don't agree with them. But you know, he kind of respects her uh, her approach here, at least. And she's like, oh, yeah, I mean... I'm perfectly fine with keeping my belief to myself. I'm not trying to convert other people, unlike the Ardents. And then Shalon is finishing up her sketch, and uh, she hasn't been paying a lot of attention. She's been listening to this conversation. And when she looks down, she sees that she's drawn the king, but behind him, in the doorway, are two tall, willowy creatures with cloaks split down the front, high, stiff high collars, and instead of heads, large floating symbols of twisted design full of impossible angles mm. so that's weird yeah it is weird and uh i guess it means something because this is like the one thing at the con that i remember people cosplaying as that i'm like what the heck is that <laughs> really yeah wow. they, there were several people cosplaying as whatever these things are you know based on the description at least that's what i'm assuming because they did a pretty good job based on that description at least of looking like what this thing is these things are described as i'm trying to find there was another thing that might be relevant here second we saw uh, earlier on like a chapter title we saw images of things that i think were also the same thing but i was making a guess on that so all the way back to chapter four and maybe this is relevant it sounds kind of like what we're seeing maybe not but i wanted to to draw it out in case uh, you guys had forgotten this the epigraph in chapter four says, I'm dying, aren't I? Healer, why do you take my blood? Who is that beside you with his head of lines? I can see a distant sun, dark and cold, shining in a black sky. So the head of lines thing makes me think of what she's talking about here. So on Skadriel, preservation showed up to guide everyone who was dying into <laughs> the cognitive realm. Whoever the shard is on this planet is like, let's send you some abstract horrors. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No. And so, what does that lead us to believe here? Do we think? Do we think the king's going to die soon? Is that what's? Is that what we're thinking? Maybe. These guys are the marsh of this world. The the death. Yeah. Old Iron Eyes himself. Yep. I sort of thought that now that Seth had his hit list, maybe this king was on it. Mm, could be. Yeah. Could be. Which and is a shame. Subconsciously, somehow, Shalon knows that. Yeah, and I thought like, maybe. Uh, Go ahead. 
I say in like the memory that she preserved, maybe she actually saw something. Yeah. And I thought maybe because I had postulated that the beginning epigraphs near the front of the book were like people's last words or whatever. And maybe these things are like recording it. They're the ones that are like actually writing. Oh, these, like writing these are the guys doing that. Yeah. That would make sense since you we'd see them that in or he seems to have seen them in that one epigraph. That's a good point. Yeah. So is there someone dying right around here and they're they've got their notepads out like ready to go? I mean, we do know that uh, Teravangian is popular. It, it says in this chapter because he builds hospitals. So there's lots of hospitals in town. So maybe they're hanging around listening for dead people. In fact, as he leaves this scene, he's like, oh, I need to go to the hospitals to visit the sick. So nice guy. Yeah, maybe he's going to catch something in, at the hospital. and That's what will kill him. And so she freaks out and just like destroys this. She doesn't want anyone to see what she's drawn unintentionally. And wouldn't you? And he is like, oh, that was weird. I've never seen you do something like that. But uh, she's like, oh, look, I'll, I'll draw another one. It'll be great. Uh, I'll, I'll get it to you in today. Don't worry about it. And he's like, okay, good. It would, you know, it's going to be a present for, did he say his granddaughter? Something like that. And she, uh, after he leaves, she talks to Yasna about how, you know, the light eyes, they think that he's kind of dull. Like he's, you know, he's not super bright. And so do you not find him like, and Yasna on the other hand is like, no, I like him. He's a good man worth a hundred self-proclaimed experts on courtly ways. Reminds me of my uncle Dalinar, earnest, sincere, and concerned. And she says, Shalon says, well, I mean, the, the light eyes say he's weak because he panders to other monarchs, fears war, and doesn't have a shard blade. And Yasna's like, once upon a time, a person who brought peace to his kingdom was considered a man of great worth. And now uh, the same person's looked at as a coward. This is not a good change. It should terrify us. But she has a good point. And then she's like, I shall require you to never call him dull again, not even in passing. And then Shalon and Yasna talk a little bit like Shalon's like has her own arguments for the existence of the almighty. And Yasna's like, you know, yeah, you feel the way you feel. I feel the way I feel. I can't have your feelings. So, you know, I, I, I get it, but your rhetorical method is improving. We'll make a scholar of you yet. And so she goes back to the drawing and she has trouble focusing. And that's the end of her chapter. Last chapter that we did darkness unseen. And the epigraph is they were suddenly dangerous, like a calm day that became a tempest, a fragment this fragment is the origin of a Thalen proverb. I believe it may be a reference to Voidbringers. See Ixix's Emperor fourth chapter. Ixix is a, that's a name. <laughs> yeah. And we cut back to Kaladin, who is, uh, he's coming out of the barracks. All 29 of the, of the other bridgemen follow him out. Well, the ones that are healthy, at least. Slaves, thieves, deserters, foreigners, even a few men whose only sin had been poverty. So apparently uh, you, the the people come here because the pay is decent compared to other stuff. And you promised if you survive 100 bridge runs, you get promoted. But uh, nobody survives 100 bridge runs. Kaladin had been on wow. two dozen and he was already the most experienced, one of the most experienced living bridgemen. I was going to say, what a carrot to dangle. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like that's like a trope, though, you know. Somebody's like, well, if I just get to this, then I'll, uh, then I'll, you know, be free. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's always out of reach. Yeah. A yeah. hundred just seems like a whole lot. I mean, geez. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so everybody, everybody's joined up. Now the last holdout was Bissig and he's like, 
I'd like to think that it was like the laughter and the food and stuff that got him. Uh, but it was probably actually like uh, some threats from Rock and Teft. But I, whatever, I'll take it. Eventually, I'll need their loyalty. For now, I'll settle for obedience. And so he starts running them through uh, training with the bridge. And that's when we cut to Gaz, who is watching them. And he has this whole soliloquy kind of about having lost an eye. And it's like there's always he feels like there's always something hiding in the darkness that he can't see that everyone else can see. People told him he's lucky he could have been killed, but they don't get it. They don't have to live with that darkness right there. Do we know how he lost his eye from this? I assume it was in battle because it says the blow could have taken your life. But I don't know that we know any actual details. Yeah, could have been a bar details. fight. Yeah. And here comes Lamaril, the light eyes, who's in charge of the bridge crews. And apparently Gaz owes him a lot of money. He hands over a topaz mark, and Lamoral's like, you owe me twice this much. Yeah, I wonder if he, like, was sentenced to the bridge cruise, and that guy, like, he had to pay him off, basically mm-hmm. be in his debt to not be on a bridge crew. So Lamoral is, like, uh, holding this uh, this debt over him, and also his position of authority. We find out, like, this is, he's, like, one of the lowest light eyes, the landless, it says. But that still puts him over all the dark eyes, including he's Gaz's immediate superior. And so these low-ranking light eyes, they're uh, some of the most vicious. Which, considering this is Gaz's boss, Gaz really mouths off to him. He does, right? Yeah. But he also, he you know, he's, he calls him Bright Lord, because I guess that's just, like, we talked about it last time. Somebody thought somebody was a high prince because they were called Bright Lord. But it, apparently just being a light eyes, you, you're a Bright Lord. Yeah. Lord of shit over here. Or if you're a, a woman, you're Brightness. We've seen that several times. And so Lamoral is not a fan of what's going on down there with uh, Bridge 4. And Gaz is like, I'm, I don't see a problem. They're fast. That's good. And uh, Lamoral says, Bridgemen exist for one purpose, Gaz, to protect the lives of more valuable men. And Gaz is like, really? I Here I thought their purpose was to carry bridges. Don't try me, Gaz, and don't forget your place. Would you like to join them? And that's... That's the one rung lower that he does not want to go. He's like, I cannot end up there. So Lamoral wants Kaladin taken care of. This guy is uh, is a little, he, he's got ambition. Mm-hmm. And the bridge bridge crews are not the place for ambition. Yeah. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, and Gaz is like, I mean, okay, fine. You know, I'll we'll, we'll have somebody stab him, put some poison. I'll, I'll take care of it. And he's not happy about it because those bribes that he gets are it's all that are letting him keep a little bit ahead of his payments to Lamoril. And Lamoril's like, what? No. Can't let people think that he's actually a threat, that we had to assassinate him. No, no, no. He has to fall on the field as he deserves. Make certain it happens. And get me the rest of the money that you owe or you'll find yourself carrying one of those bridges. So basically, Gaz is kind of screwed. It's either he doesn't do the job that he's been given and probably ends up as a bridgeman, or he kills Kaladin, doesn't have that money coming in, can't pay his debt, and ends up as a bridgeman. So as much of an, uh, uh, of an asshole as Gaz is, his own situation is not great. Just another case of, let's think culture is not great to a lot of people. Nope, yep, you're right. And like this... I know we say a lot of times, like, maybe we need to just trust Sadius. This situation is directly a result of Sadius just being an outright jerk. He's the one who insists on these bridge crews operating as they are and no changes be made. So this is this one's all on Sadius. He is the top of the ladder in this camp. So 
all of the command decisions are ultimately, yeah, they're they're his responsibility, whether he made them or not. And clearly, uh, his soldiers are not the the nicest crew. Yeah. And so Gaz is just like, I can't I can't be a bridgeman. That that's hopelessness right there. There's no way. Kaladin the Lordling had to fall. And like at one point in here, he even thinks like, man, maybe that guy really was a soldier like he was talking about. But no, I mean, why would he end up in the bridge cruise? And we see uh, a little bit of this practice with the bridge. And Kaladin's even like, man, we need to practice on a real chasm so they can get the real, you know, the push across just down just right. I wonder what kind of bribe it would take for gas to let us do that. (laughs) And then he does the thing. He's like, hey, in two weeks, you guys are already working together as well as some teams I trained for months. I'm I'm proud of you. Get something to drink, take a break. And he's convinced them that lifting stones will help improve their strength for the bridge runs so they don't hate the stone gathering duty as much anymore. In the last two weeks, it's there have been two bridge runs, and one time the Parshendi got off with the Gemheart before they even got there. But in the other time, they lost two more men and wounded two more. Amark and Kulf are dead, and Narm and Pete are wounded, so it's not great. <laughs> Nom. <laughs> it's not Dunny, so yeah, yeah, Dunny forever. <laughs> and then uh, he he's watching Gaz watching them, and Sil comes over. He's like, he's planning something. He was talking to that light eyes guy. I didn't like their expressions, dark like thunder clouds. And Callan's like, oh yeah, no, I get it. You don't trust him either. Well, he's a light eyes, so nothing we can do about it though. And there's no reason to there's no point in worrying about what we can't solve. So she makes an observation and he's like, hey, you're getting better and better at observing us. And she says, I feel more like I'm remembering things I once knew. And he says, soon you'll hardly be a sprint at all. You'll be a little translucent philosopher, which Jamie has been theorizing that she's not 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 a normal sprint, at least if a sprint at all. So correct. Seems to be heading more in that direction. She's smarter than the average sprint. And then. Kaladin <laughs> gets an idea. They deny a shield, but we already carry one on our shoulders. And he starts trying to show the men, hey, let's hold the bridge like this, where we hold it to like to the side, basically. And they're all like, what? why? What good would that do? And he's like, oh, well, just, just as an experiment, try out some different positions, work some different muscles. <laughs> I also like how like, this seems like a pretty simple concept to me. It's like, hold the bridge this way so that we can block arrows with it. Right, yeah. yeah. How, how, how does this not occur to anyone? Yeah. And here's where we get the Moash scene, where I like Colin's like, something wrong, soldier? And Moash goes, why did you make me a leader of a sub-squad? Because you resisted my leadership longer than almost any of the others, and you were flat out more vocal about it than any of them. But you struck me as capable and intelligent, and you weren't swayed too easily. You're strong-willed, I can use that. He's like, I mean, okay, but unlike Teft and the Horn Eater, I don't think you're a gift straight from the Almighty. I don't trust you. I agree. You don't, you don't get a great feel off of Moash here. Mm. I mean, it's just enough to think, like, you can see that through later chapters, it'll look like that he is coming around on Kaladin, and then, bam, there's the knife. Mm, maybe. And so then we cut back to Gaz, who's seeing them try to carry the bridge on on the side. And he's like, what the hell is going on? That's ridiculous. <laughs> And he goes, he goes down. He's like, what, what is this? And Calvin's like, bridge crew carrying what I believe is, yes, it's a bridge. I didn't ask for lip. I want an explanation. 
And so Kaladin says, oh, carrying over our heads gets tiring. So, you know, we're going to use some different muscles. Let us shift it around. Gas is like, I get it. It can be tiring, but that's just stupid. You look like you're all going to fall over each other. The handholds are terrible. You can barely fit your men in there. But yeah, but a lot of time, only half a bridge crew survives a bridge run. We can carry it back easier this way. And that gives them an idea. If they try to run like this, they'll all be exposed and it could be a disaster for bridge four. So he's like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Initiative. Somehow they'll be exposed by creating a barrier. Well, I mean, if they carry it to the to their left or right, and while they're running directly, it won't be a barrier between them and the arrows. I guess it depends on where the arrows are coming from. Well, that's true. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'd very. How, how did that arrow get him? Like we're holding it like a shield. It seemed to have got to be the back somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Could it have possibly just from the other side? Everyone just looks at Gaz. He's like. No. He hides a bow behind his back. <laughs> what? Shut up. Uh, he's like, initiative, creativity. You keep practicing. I'd very much like you <laughs> to see a plateau approach carrying the bridge that way. And Cal's like, really? Yeah. Well, then, maybe we will. Uh, th- this is one of those, another, like, Simpson scene. It's like, well, good. Yeah. Maybe I will. Please do. There are Simpsons thing like Principal Skinner's talking about his time in uh, the army, and it's like, yeah, this photo was taken right before I was shot in the back, which was funny because it was at a peacetime declaration. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> just about a, right. It's just a picture of him in front of his unit, and they're all just like scowling at him behind him. So we we end our chapter with Kaladin being like, yeah, this this should, or I'm sorry, Gaz being like, yeah, this will take care of my Kaladin problem. Now I'm just gonna find some way to pay Lamoral's blackmail. And yeah, that's that's the end of our chapters. So predicaments we uh we're kind of level setting again for where we're coming back into section or part three here so uh, we found some interesting stuff what do you guys think what's going to happen okay predictions i don't think i've really got anything new today we we already sort of spoke about it before but my thoughts were that shalan was able to effectively see death and in that moment she sort of captured it and or, or she's channeling something when she's when she's drawing. So mm-hmm. perhaps something bad is going to happen to the the king of Carbranth, whether he's on Seth's list or not. I don't know. I feel like something could happen to him. Perhaps an event there would drive Yasna back to towards the Shattered Plains or to to Dalinar. Not quite sure really what I think there, but she's definitely got some sort of ability that's that's more than what we know at the moment. That's probably my biggest one this week. I think that Kaladin, while he's making pretty good headway, obviously we know that not only does he have to worry about the Parshendi on the bridge runs, he's now got to worry about a threat from within. Sort of what Dak was saying before, our our newest friend in the crew that we don't really think we can trust perhaps that's a way for for gaz to to get in there or to replace a crew member with somebody who can't be trusted mm. i don't know i feel like he would be like the the pashendi this would be a really easy way to take him out because you just basically shoot him with an arrow while they're carrying the bridge on the side but you'd have to work pretty uh, it, it would be hard to make it look like it was just in battle 
or while moving the bridges or something. It, I, I feel like it's not as organic as what Gaz thinks it might be. So he's going to have a bit of a challenge cut out for himself to make it look like Kaladin's not been targeted, I guess. That could definitely cause some some upset. I'd like to think that Gaz maybe would flip and go, hang on, some really cool stuff's happening here. This is good. But I just I just don't I don't think I can give him that. He's um, <laughs> too worried about what he can't see, let alone <laughs> anything else going on. The Soulcaster and Shalan, I think long-term, maybe Shalan's not going to be able to do it. I don't think she's going to be able to swap it out, but maybe something will happen. You know, they reckon they've got a couple of months to go with the, the rest of the family before they're found out. I reckon they'll be found out before Shalan even gets an opportunity to swap things over. Mm. But maybe by then chaos has already ensued and it won't matter as much. I think Shalan's got a bigger part to play here. Like that, to me, that story is her reason for being there rather than an end of the story sort of plot line. But I don't know. Could change. Hmm. Kind of all I've got. Okay. No, that makes uh, more thoughts than actual predictions. Yeah. No, it's kind of a, kind of a stream of thoughts. But I like the, I, in a weird way, your your theory about like maybe maybe like things will go crazy before Shalani even has the chance to steal the Soulcaster. Weirdly, that would kind of be the best thing for Shalon. She she gets to be stay here and be happy and not have to rob Yasna. I mean, her her family maybe things don't go super well for them, but she she tried her best to fix that, right? So yeah, I can't imagine it would go well if she did manage to swap out with Soulcaster and then disappear and mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, like Yasna's brother is the king of Alethkar like it's not it's not going to go well it doesn't matter <laughs> how it goes for Shalan something's going to go poorly um for her and her family you just create a new enemy um yeah yeah they're like hopefully she'll think her soul caster just broke but if it happens to coincide with Shalan leaving suddenly that's gonna look suspicious yeah. gonna look bad yeah that's a good point you'd have to find a way to get it out without actually leaving and then you have to find someone that you can trust to like take it back. Who like who do you trust with a job this secret? Yeah, it would have to be one of the brothers. What about Yalb? We liked Yalb when he uh... <laughs> yeah, he was all right. I feel like he'd get distracted somewhere or he'd lose it gambling or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, probably right. Yeah, like no. trustworthy to a point. Yeah, no, I get it. You're right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good thoughts. Good thoughts. Okay, well, I've already talked about. I think Moash is gonna, you know, like be, like be a sneaky bastard. I think there were hints there that Gaz could sort of sense uh, Sill as well towards the end. Oh. There, he's like, hey, that's something that's something moved there in the darkness. So I don't know, maybe his missing eye gives him a little bit of attunement to Spren, but he's just too he's not bright enough to figure out what that is. But maybe like that he'll we'll see more of his Spren sensing abilities later. Ability is really something you can call it. So my big one this week, which is not one I expect to um, have predicted later on, uh, is is not one I expect to you know see come to fruition in the next few books. Probably wouldn't happen until book five of Stormlight because that's the one where Brandon says the kid gloves come like that's after Lost Metal where the kid gloves came off for the first time. But I'm thinking about the fact that you know. 
net, like we've we've seen confirmation that yes, there are ghost bloods on Roshar with their with their diamond pattern. And I'm trying to figure out what the hell Kelsia wants on this planet because we've never actually seen Kelsia off of Skadrial before. Mm-hmm. We've seen him trying to preserve Skadrial, or at least that's what we believed. You know, he was trying to stop auto- autonomy from doing it. So I, I I wonder if maybe Kelsia is Kelsia also on a mission to just his whole thing in the Final Empire was removing the common people from the rule of the Lord Ruler. And I wonder if now he's upped his game to doing that on a Cosmia scale. Um, he see like he sees the shards as the new ruling class, I guess, to put in to put in the same terms. So he's trying to free the people of all planets from the rule of their shards. So whatever his plans are up to, he's trying to eliminate shards from the equation while at the same time like dispersing their powers among the people, maybe. He does want to punch a lot of guards. So. Yeah. Mm. Just trying to think, like in like in his original characterization, he was the little man like fighting against the 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 nobility, and mm-hmm. he employing some really underhanded tactics to do so. Because like in that first book, we're just like we don't know if we really like Kelsia. He was kind of a jerk to his own men. So I could see him upping that game exponentially now that he's held the power of a shard. He knows what it's like. So he's just sort of inflated his goals. They're the same goals, but just on a much grander scale. That could definitely be interesting. If, especially if, if, like you say, it's like just something that's building in the background of Stormlight until yeah. maybe maybe book five. And then it's like it comes out. That could that could be a really cool kind of secret. Uh, yeah. He, like, you know, we've, we've had the epigraphs where it uh, talked about we assume that it was Odium who is who was out to you know kill all the other shards. Maybe Kelsey is like, uh, yeah, this guy's got the right idea. And then once once he's the only one left, then we'll take him down or something. So yeah, grand 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 scale stuff. That could definitely be interesting. You got yeah. Also also important probably to remember that like the first four Stormlight books, as you mentioned, are before Lost Metal comes out, and we see. That there even is an organization uh, that Kelsier is running back on Skadrial. So you wouldn't, no one reading this book when it came out, or when any of the first four books came out, would know anything about that. That is that is true. Yeah. So, yeah, if, if this does come out, it's not going to come out until whatever the fifth Stormlight book is called. Does it have a title yet? Do we know? Uh, so for a while... We have what we think is going to be the title at this point. For the longest time, uh, book he he was talking about book five being called Stones Unhallowed, and then not long ago he announced that the title, the working title was Knights of Wind and Truth. That's a good title. I like that. And then recently, he shortened what he thinks the title is going to end up being to just Wind and Truth. Okay, that could yeah that could work. So yeah. We, we won't get to it for years because, you know, it's going to take a while to get through all the Stormlight books on their own. Yep. But um, but uh, yeah, that's that's where I think that's going. And on, uh, and on a smaller scale, yeah, I think Seth is like he I think Kelsier is um, or someone from Kelsier's group is the one who hired Seth to go back and start doing his thing because he's looking for a way to shatter. Like, it, again, if he topples nobility, he'll, sit, he'll like the rest of society will crumble. The Shard will have to step in and then the Shard will be vulnerable. So that's what. Hmm. So Seth is an instrument to make that happen. 
That is that is very interesting, and I, I I would really like to see that long game being played here because that would be a, a, a needing five stormlight books to get there. That and these stormlight books, as we've established, are very big books. That would yeah. be a long game indeed. Yep, I like that. I, I I think Brandon is capable of something like that, so I'm on board. So we've got let, let's just start chronologically from what we read today. Seth, I think my predicament for him is that he is going to have to come to the Shattered Plane with the amount of High Princes on his hit list. That's where they're going to be. And so even if, like, there's some... There's, even if it's not, like, directly on page, there's going to be maybe some tertiary, like, discussion of, like, something's going on. Some, the, the High Prince... Like, one of the High Princes was found dead last night. Like, what's happening? And even though, like, we're not seeing Seth do it on page, like, it's going to be kind of a running... kind of a running plot line within the characters that we are getting viewpoints from. Um, and so that could really shake things up at the Shattered Plains in general, could really shake things up for Dalinar. Maybe he'll decide to stay to stay on since all this crazy stuff's going going mm. on. And he doesn't maybe he doesn't want his son or sons to become a target of this person. If they're just targeting high princes then then he'll stay on as a high prince. It is interesting to me that the, the you know that the ghost bloods are are possibly behind it because like I guess kind of with what Dak was saying like what is their goal is their goal to just take down any kind of monarchy or thing that is keeping them from like like from being a free people without any lords or lordship is that is that their ultimate goal because if so this is a really bloody way to go about it which I mean we know that. Kelsier's not necessarily opposed to that, but at the same yeah, time, yeah. it's just it's it's a little different from what we've seen in the past. So it's uh it's a little concerning if if uh, if that's what they're doing. Yeah, while Dak was talking, I was like, man, could Kelsier be Odium? And I was like, nah, that doesn't fit. That doesn't make any sense uh, based on what we know about what's going on. So that's uh, that one I threw out the window pretty quick, but that was a wild theory that crossed my mind. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I see this Seth stuff going, maybe as like he's he's active, but in the background and, and we know of his exploits through uh, through the plot and the main characters that we are we're seeing viewpoints from the Shalan stuff. Yeah, I I'm kind of with Jamie. I hope that basically I mean, <laughs> how i understand their family but like how much does shalon really care about these people like what what good is going to come out of her family surviving and and so if that's the case like i'd rather she just get to stay with yasna and hang out and be because obviously like she's a viewpoint character she's going to be she's going to continue to be in the story i just don't foresee that story going to she gets home with the soul caster and makes everything right like i just don't see that going there mm. I, I i just uh, narratively that doesn't make a whole lot of sense for her character i don't think and so i imagine that something's going to happen either yasna's going to find out about what she's doing or she's going to be unsuccessful in doing it or time's going to run out and she's going to be like well my best bet is just to stay here and so we're just going to continue to have like a shalan yasna a shalan yasna thing that's that would be my prediction on on that because i just don't see it happening any other way yeah it doesn't work out think, the way she, she wants it to work out for sure i think i agree with you that like shalon going back home to like the backwoods of yakoved feels like one of our main characters moving away from the story 
because yeah. Yasna is connected to what's going on on the the shattered plane, which is the other part of our story at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so she's the niece of uh, daughter of the dead king, niece of the yeah. high prince. Yeah. So if Shalon separates from her, it's like she's leaving the entire rest of the story. Yeah. So yeah, I don't see I don't see her getting away with with her plan. Um, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me narratively for that to happen. And then moving on to uh, Kaladin, it was interesting that that to me anyway that Jamie was like, yeah, I think he's going to try that. Gaz is going to try to use this as an opportunity to strike when they're doing this bridge run. I didn't I didn't read it that way, so it was interesting from her perspective. My read on it was Gaz is too stupid to understand also <laughs> that the bridge is going to be used as a shield. He doesn't understand that that's how it's going to work. He thinks that they're going to be more exposed when they're actually going to be less exposed. And so his plan was just to kind of let that's the chips funny. fall where they may. Like, he doesn't understand that it's actually going to help them. So he was going to be like, oh, yeah, they're going to be exposed and it's going to be worse. So he's probably just going to die by doing this stupid, like, bridge carry. It's not, you know, I don't have to do anything. I just have to sit back and let it happen. Like, I feel like that was his attitude towards it. And so I think I think Gaz is going to be disappointed. I think it's going to work <laughs> extremely well. But we already know there's quite a bit of animosity between the other bridge crews and bridge four. So if they come up with this new strategy and then like none of them are harmed, the other bridge crews are going to be pissed. So I just don't see it, even though it may work successfully like on a run, I don't see this tactic being something that they're going to be able to repeat because the other bridge crews are going to be going to be pissed off about it um like either that or like something's gonna go wrong they're gonna be like you can't hold the bridge that way anymore so it's just you know they're gonna get this like one opportunity but it's not gonna go the way kaladin thinks it's gonna go to right because the fact of the matter is the people in charge do not care about their lives so if they're gonna do a technique that is against what they want them to do as bridge crew members and it's going to save more of their lives they're gonna be like no you can't do that yeah i mean we're told in uh, once again in this chapter by lameral it's like the point of them is to die. Right. So if especially, they do something that means they don't die, well. Yeah, especially if, like, the point of them is to be bait. Because, like, that's that's a good point, too. Because, like, if they are blocking themselves with the bridge and they can't be hit, then why wouldn't the Parshendi just shoot at the guys on the horses? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's very possible that that's actually going to backfire. And, like, they, even though they will survive, the casualties to the men that they actually care about will be high and they'll be pissed off about that. And then they're definitely going to be in for some, for some bad times for sure. So yeah. Yeah. Bad times, bad times. So that's, uh, that's kind of where I see that immediately going long-term. I, I kind of like Dak thinking long-term wild, like shout out book five predict predicament. That was cool. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's true. The kid gloves are coming off starting in book five. There's a lot of possibility for, for actually introducing, characters that from the other places like just outright without being like sneaky about it right because like we got descriptions of people that we know from other other works but like we didn't actually we you know there's nobody outright saying like hi my name's kelsey or like so that could be very interesting there's a lot of potential there for for some interesting uh for some interesting story craft so i'm gonna agree with dak i'm gonna say like the ghost bloods are going to kind of out themselves. Kelsey's going to get involved more directly with the plot on, on this world as well. Uh, you know, cause like in the last metal, we saw him take a pretty, you know, not super active, but a pretty active role. He's at least on page talking as himself several times. Right. And so, you know, we may see something similar from, from the fifth book of, uh, 
of Stormlight Archive. I would also say that like it's 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 Dax theory is entirely possible if Kelsier is like going down this this dark path. And so really like what is I guess what is the the idea that could happen for me? Like they keep chasing, you know, we've got this idea that the ghost bullets are chasing Hoyd. Like maybe they don't know what his uh what his agenda is, and maybe that's why they're chasing him. They want to know like what is this guy's what is this guy's like thing? Why is he doing this? But then if they are simpatico in their like ideas of what should be happening like you know they should be taking down odium for example or maybe even all the shard bears i don't know if that's hoyt's plan but if that's kelsier's plan then maybe they end up teaming up and we get ghost blood sexy drifter action you know and that would be pretty sweet we we know that era two of mistborn takes place after this and we definitely saw the ghost bloods and hoyt have a weird relationship i guess that's true i guess that's true so maybe they, there is no team up coming it'd be nice if there was but yeah maybe you're right but yeah, so we've got uh, we've got a lot of interesting ideas to work with, but uh, that's all I I have. Yeah, so that's that's a lot of interesting possibilities. Got got some support for what Dak was saying out there. I like that about the Kaladin thing. I'll just make one little comment that uh, we're gonna read four chapters for next week: thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four. Chapter thirty-two is called Side Carry. So. Ah, okay. So maybe we, yeah, we get to see the side carry in action. Might, might see some mm-hmm. of that. Chips will fall where they may. So you've got, uh, I, I, I like your, your ideas on Shalon just from a, from like a literary standpoint of like the story making more sense, uh, one way than the other. You know, Brandon sometimes does the unexpected and throws us a curveball, but yeah. uh, I, I agree with the logic that you've got at least. Right. Um, I mean, going. if Shalan ended up going home and then just farming the rest of the book, I, I would be pretty, <laughs> con- I would be pretty confused. I'd be like, why, why is this a thing? Why are we? It was like, was all that just a setup to show Yasna? Like now we're following Yasna without her soulcaster. Was this all set up just for that? Because that seems weird. <laughs> but uh, you know, it could happen. Yeah, it, it, it could happen. Why not? Um, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's do the other thing. We have no new patrons this week. We have, I don't yeah, think we no have new any new patrons. Well, if they want to become a patron, Dana, where do they go? Uh, you, yeah, you can check out our Patreon, uh, the Sandra Lanch podcast on Patreon, where my reactions to Defiant are going up right now. The, the as of this recording, the last one that went up was chapters yeah. 10 to 12. So if you want to hear me reading the last book of the Skyward series, go check that out. Yeah. That book came out last month, right? Yeah, at the con. Yep. But we do have a bunch of new emails and we will do a few of them at least. Probably save some of these, but the first one, the title is New Emailer. They're not sure if they're a new emailer or not. Mm-hmm. This one is from Fox. Hello, I haven't emailed you guys before, but I'm on the Discord. Fox. In the second most recent episode, released from the time I'm writing this, December 11th, you guys mentioned how weird it would be for someone who read The Way of Kings before anything in the Cosmere. And well, I did just that. Firstly, I didn't read the epigraphs. Stupid, I know, but they felt too confusing to be important. I thought everything would be revealed in the text anyway. Addy? Who's that? Do I care? I had no idea what a shard was, so I was really curious about how gods in this world worked, because it's not fantasy without really weird slash cool gods. And I didn't know Sanderson's writing style, so I made some predictions that were totally wrong, and when I look back, I'm like, how did I think that? Sanderson would never do that. Lastly, Hoyd, I had no idea who that was. Then I saw him in Final Empire, 
after finishing Stormlight and was shocked to see him there. So yeah, reading Way of Kings first made it really hard to understand. Luckily, a lot of my past obsessions have been fantasy sci-fi series with really complex lore. I even understood Elder Scrolls lore, so I never flat felt too lost. But I still did when it mentioned more Cosmere-aware things. So... Yeah, there. I mean, I, I know a lot of people's experience is Way of Kings first because the Stormlight Archive is like one of uh, like probably the biggest, most famous series that he does. So yeah. a lot of people jump in there, but uh, not being one of those, it is hard for me to think about what that would be like. I'm glad we got a bit of insight into what it was like for someone. Yeah, because that has I have been wondering that ever since we started this book. I'm just like, wow, what how, what would you be like? If this was your first. There you go. Kind of confusing, but still interesting, <laughs> I think, is what we got. <laughs> yeah. Kind of confusing, but still interesting. You never I can't like forget your first. Important thing is it didn't turn him off. Yeah, that's true. Right? It turned him on. It's, it's interesting <laughs> to me because we, we talked about it when we read Mistborn, about that there are people out there who just don't read the epigraphs. Like, yeah, that's probably yeah. not important, right? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty important. I mean, the Mistborn experience is completely different if you don't read the epigraphs. Yeah. And we don't know for sure at this point that the Stormlight experience would be, but it's a pretty good chance. Yeah, I mean, these are a little bit more broken up because it seems like every part has different writers. And like yeah. they're they're not even like the same thing because one of them's a letter. One of them's mm-hmm. like all these people before they uh, die, presumably. And then this third one's like, I don't know, it sounds like the historical document Shalan's reading. Like, I don't really understand what, what's going on. It's the historical documents, it makes me think of uh, Galaxy Quest. Anyway, we need your help. Uh, the next one is from Mike, and the title is You All Rock, Heart. Hey, Sander Lynch crew. Greetings from Virginia. I read The Final Empire about a month ago and felt compelled to find a podcast talking about it because I loved it so much. Been a longtime fantasy reader, favorites being The Dresden Files and Malazan, but Brandon may take the cake before it's all said and done. Sorry to ramble about myself, but I've been powering through the Cosmere and listening along with you as I catch up. I'm currently starting to Lost Metal and have really enjoyed – I'm sorry, and have read everything in the same order as the crew. I'm currently on episode 118 since I can listen while I deliver for Amazon all day. Just wanted to let you guys know you bring me a lot of joy with your podcast. Love all, love you all, and thank you very much. Can't wait to catch up and get into Stormlight. Thanks, Mike. Uh, man. Man, being an Amazon d- delivery driver, that's, that's some work. Uh, I've, I appreciate you guys. I get yep. lots of Amazon packages. <laughs> uh, I, it, it's always fun to me to hear someone reading this stuff in the same order that we did this, this special order that I came up with for the show. And I'm like, man, do I feel bad for people? Uh, because some of our order is specifically because like I said, it takes, it took us a long time to get from era one to era two of Mistborn, And so I wasn't going to leave secret history till way later to like years later, because it's so attached to what happens in era one that i wanted it fresh in your mind if you're quickly reading through it all then you can maintain the the surprise that kelsier is still quote unquote alive until after he pops up at the end of bands of mourning where it's like he's like survive and it's like oh my gosh it's kelsier so on some level i feel bad uh for making an order that people will then follow when you guys don't get those surprises, and uh, we're taking it away from somebody else, too. But as long as you're enjoying yourself, Mike. Yeah, there's no wrong way to read the books. It's true. Um, unless you read book, uh, book I mean, two of the series before book one. Yeah, I was about okay, to say, yeah. I mean, I mean, you could read them backwards. That would be real confusing. 
It's yeah. actually funny how often I've seen on Reddit somebody pops up and they're like, yeah, I, I read like half of Shadows of Self before I realized it wasn't the first book in this series. <laughs> <laughs> does, uh, it, does he put like inside the books, like book two of, book three of? I don't recall, and I don't have the physical one on hand to look at. Uh, I mean, it's over there on the shelf, but it, it, not, that's the one that not, I see pop up the most often is like people skip Alloy of Law, not realizing that it exists. Depending on the edition, because we've got sort of a mix match, mismatch of um, editions on the shelf. Like we've got Final Empire and Hero of Ages both say Mistborn Book One or Mistborn Book Three. Well of Ascension does not. <laughs> uh, looking at my digital copy, I don't see like on Shadows of Self like Book Two of the mm. whatever. It says a Mistborn novel, Shadows of Self. Interesting. Yeah. Well. We've actually since then gotten a couple more emails from Mike, but uh, those may be the ones that I save. We're going to because they're the later ones that came in. Let's read one or two more here. These are kind of short. The next one is from Fado, which said the title is Acknowledging Dax Humor. Oh, boy. Uh, I just could not let more than a minute pass before I sent an email to congratulate Dak on truly making me guffaw out loud when he noted that elevated toilet humor could be called bidet humor. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Uh, sneakily, one of the funniest moments of the entire podcast. I love the show, so keep on keeping on. Cheers from the Discord, Fado. P.S. Jamie and Joe, you two also rock. Just not enough bidet jokes for an email. Sure, sure. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta step up my bidet jokey uh, game. You know. Yeah. I know. I don't blame you. I gotta say, it's very unlikely you'll get a bidet joke out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't see a lot of bidets in my uh, in my part of the in my neck of the woods. I feel like uh, I feel like we're pretty heavy toilet paper users around these parts. I've thought about it before. I've heard yeah. lots of stories from people who are like, "Oh, it's like life changing. You should totally get one of these." But uh, it requires a lot of uh, a lot of additional uh, piping, electric, and plumbing work. Yeah. So, at least for a, a good one. Anyway, let's uh, not get into dive into the depths of bidets. Uh, let's we'll do oh, one. Oh, good one. <laughs> I, I, I he didn't even mention me in the email, so I got to get some, some of that. <laughs> yeah, here. you got to get some recognition. We'll do one more. I'm gonna skip one, and we'll do one of Mike's other ones because it's shorter. So this one's called the Lost Metal. It says, "Hey, Sander Lynch crew, Mike from Virginia again. Just wanted to say I finished the Lost Metal finally, and I'm currently listening to your episode 142 covering the end and epilogues one through whatever." I'm a huge Wayne fan, and the ending made me cry. I'm a baby, I know. And I feel so silly listening to the podcast episode. I even started tearing up when Data read, I knew you'd glow. Anyways, I love this book and all of Era 2. Looking forward to getting into Warbreaker. I'm going to skip White Sand, but I will listen to the pod to see what story points I'm missing, just not into graphic novels. At the rate I'm binging both the Cosmere and your podcast, I expect to be caught up in a few more weeks. Thanks for all you do. Everyone in the crew is amazing. Love you guys and gal. Wasn't to the time of next. If you get caught up, you know what? Just start over. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go. So you're not, you're not a baby if you if you cry over a character you get attached to dying. Sure. Like like there's nothing wrong with that. Why are people no, down on that? Not a thing nah. wrong with that. Been there. Oh yeah. Honestly, you, I think seventeen year old Joe, he was choked up when uh, when old HP bit the big one for a hot hot minute. He was like, uh, What the hell's like, what the hell's going on? I was like, Wait, Harry doesn't die. Yeah, he does, kind of. I, honestly, I think the first time I read Hero of Ages at the end, when like Vin and Ellen are both actually dead, I it it killed me. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Vin in particular. I mean, I, I liked Ellen also, but Vin, like, I grew really attached to in those books. 
Yeah, we don't care about Ellen that much. It's fine. <laughs> uh, we've got a couple, <laughs> couple more emails, but I'm going to save those for next time. Speaking of next time, as I said, we're reading four more chapters. That will be chapters 31 through 34. It's a nice big chunk of text that time. If you'd like to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and X and Patreon, which I've already talked about, so I won't go into that again. Thank you, everyone who sends emails, who's on the Patreon, who's on the Discord. If you want to join the Discord, there's a link on our website, www.thesanderlanch.com. Hang out with us there. There's been some uh, some spicy stuff happening. Spicy? Yeah, at some point not long ago, uh, we had to open like a not safe for work channel for people ah. to have uh, some not safe for work discussions. And so things have uh, there's there's some interesting stuff going on there. OK, well, as long but as anyway, dinosaur erotica, I'm on board. I'm, I'm yeah, not, not making any promises. That there's not. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, dear. But yes. Yeah, so four chapters for next time. Music by Miracle of Sound. Check us out online. Find us all the places you find podcasts. If you're already listening to this, you already know where to find it. It's fine. You don't need me to tell you. And wasn't to the time of next. Colo, he has fashion. Crabs ahoy. Ghost of